Good afternoon. Are you excited to be at the photography class at AdAgra 2021? Yes. Hey, I love that. All right, so um, how many of you have ever been skiing or snowboarding before? Okay, I like that. Have you ever gone to the rental counter where you've rented the skis and they ask, what is your experience level? One, two, or three? And it's always tough to know. I mean, it is for me sometimes like, what, what level am I? So I just want to try to get a feel of the room. Like, and your photography experience level, we're all here learning together. But if you feel like you're in the one category, there is no shame in that category. Let me see your hands. If you're, if you're number one, okay, all right. Okay, how about number two? If you're level two, okay, great. About 50-50 there, it feels like. Level three, level three. Brave souls to raise your hand. I know that big makes it feel like you're the expert, but I understand. That's great. Okay, awesome. That was helpful. So, as we get into it today, um, let me just... Well, you already heard about us, but um, we live, like he said, in Middle Tennessee. I guess that's the thing you say in Tennessee. It's not central, it's middle. Um, so, it's just the two of us and our little fur child, Hazel, which it's a little small to see there. But that's our cat there in the front. Um, We have together a photography business that's primarily run by her and a small home garden that we do together. And we work together for Farmer's Friend, as we mentioned, which is an agricultural um, supply company in Middle Tennessee. And that's just a little bit more about us. And Kirsten will tell you what we're going to cover today. Okay, so the things that we want to talk about today, first off, we're going to go over camera gear. What is right for you? And then we are going to go through four points or tips for better photos that you can put into action today to make your photos a little better. And then we're going to go over easy editing techniques to help you take your photos to the next level. And if we have time, we're also going to touch on social media and have time for question and answers. So I'm going to do the gear section with us first. Okay, so probably if there's anybody in this room who has a gear set that looks like this, it could be one of you number three people back there. But likely, this is not the case. And that is totally okay if your gear that you're going into farm photography doesn't look like this. Because I believe that What's most important is to start with what you have. And so we're going to talk about gear in that way a little bit. So whether you have a full-frame digital SLR or mirrorless camera, a point-and-shoot, or a smartphone, you can start taking better photos right now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And as a little caveat, I know that these point-and-shoot cameras, like the one in the top right, they're the kind of things that you might have gotten a few years ago or you might still have around... I want to make a point that I think that smartphones have excelled um, so rapidly in photography capabilities that they've pretty much rendered point and shoots obsolete. So I would lean towards suggesting that you use your, your iPhone or your Android smartphone from the past two or three years in almost every situation more than that point-and-shoot camera that you might have in your closet or around or something. Um, And I'll show you a couple examples of that real quick, just to make that point. On the left is a photo from the point-and-shoot camera. On the right, a smartphone. I know the image is small, and even up here, it's kind of not very clear. But even from this, you can tell 
the smartphone image, it has a lot more dynamic range. You can see the bright areas better. You can see a lot more dark. You can see more reflection in the, in the pavement and then the car is back there. There's just more dynamic range. That's something that the phones are using artificial intelligence and in computational photography to enhance things even if their actual like glass and camera stuff isn't maybe as big as the point and shoots. Here's another one. It's small things, but all these small things go together to make better photos. The right one from the smartphone, look how much more of the sky you can see, how much more natural the colors are on the houses behind the bike. And if you could see more detail, the bike just looks more vivid and, and, and engaging as well. And especially when it comes to faces, skin tone. This one on the left, this is not me. This is just some random person on the internet. I didn't know if you had that question or not. But the, the guy, well, it's the same guy. But notice on the right, the skin tones are a lot more balanced. The, it, his, his skin just looks better. It kind of just captured that better. It has more depth of field where he's standing out from his background. That's just a little sample of some of the power of smartphones today. While I, for a lot of you, maybe even most of you, a smartphone can take you 80% of the way you want to go to build your business and make your farm look better with photography. Um, and it's something, as a big pro, uh, plus or pro, it's something that most of us have access to already in one way, shape, or form. So a smartphone does come with its own set of pros and cons, but in the pros section, it's exciting to see how rapidly the camera quality has improved in just the past few years. So I would suggest, if you're an iPhone person, I don't know all the Android lines so much, but I'm going to say for iPhones, something that I wouldn't get anything older than the 10 if you're just looking for a phone for photography. Getting a 10, a 10S, the 11, the 12, those are going to be great phones for photography. And, and the, the newer one you get, the, the more features it's going to have. Um, one saying that I really like is a saying that goes, the best camera is the one that you have with you. And that's the beauty of the smartphone, that you, know, you often are going to have it with you to take capture those moments that are important. Um, but what if you want to go to the next level? What if you or a member of your family has a passion in photography and wants to take it up a notch? Here's just, there's so many options you could consider. So don't take this as the best option that there ever could be on planet Earth. But if you were looking to spend around $1,000 for better photography for your farm, for your business, for your whatever, this could be a good option. The Canon EOS RP is a mirrorless camera that came out about two to three years ago. It's got some great features, and I would pair that, more important than that specific camera, I think a 50mm 1.8, they call it the nifty 50. 50 millimeters is the most similar focal length to what your eye sees. It's just the best bang for your buck in a lens you can get. So if you're thinking about getting a lens for a camera, and you want to start on a lower budget, get that nifty 50. It's going to be way better than the kit lens that comes with the camera. That would be like an 18 to 55 zoom lens or something. Highly recommend it. Um, so a package like that, if you've got a used EOS RP with that lens, around $1,000. If you want to go to the next, next level, you could get a used EOS R. And I know this is a zoom lens, but it still has a lot of the good features that I like about the nifty 50. That's obviously more expensive. But I feel like... If you're in the category of wanting to take better pictures for your farm, to build your farm business, 
then this is an investment that you can definitely count as an investment for your farm that's going to pay itself back over the course of time. Because in the era that we live in, photography is the way that you show your farm to your clients, and that, that means a lot. Um, let's see. And in case there's somebody that's interested in that higher option, or at least the camera, of that right option, the lens is the majority of that price. So, that you know, take that or leave that. But the EOS R is a great camera. The company that I work for actually has one that we're selling, so if you're interested, come talk to me afterwards. Um, here's some places to get them. Uh, B&H Photo is where I always all buy my camera gear. They're a great company out of New York City. Uh, they're Jewish. They're closed on Sabbath, so you're probably not going to be going to their website on Sabbath anyways, but they're closed. Um, Adorama is another great, also Jewish, New York company. Amazon, of course. You ever heard of Amazon? Great place to buy stuff. Um, B&H has a used department if you want to go used. Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you probably know about this. I'd, ha I'd caution against eBay, not that you can't do it, but I always like to see and hold the thing in my hand first and just check it over. Can't do that with eBay. All right. Next, something to keep in mind when you're considering the smartphone versus the, the big camera um, topic. And that is the workflow that's involved. And this is a struggle that I deal with and the, what still takes me, uh, pushes me sometimes to work with a smartphone instead of a, real ca a big camera. And that's this. Let's say you take a photo on your phone and you want that to go to Instagram. It could be anything. It could be Facebook. It could be your, your farm's website, whatever. You want to deliver that. The process from that standpoint is you, you take the picture on your phone and you post it to Instagram. It's pretty straightforward. You could do a little editing if you want to, but you, you snap, you post. When you move up to a, a, a full-size camera, that workflow changes in that you take the picture on your camera, then it's on an SD card that you have to import into your computer, maybe do some editing, then you have to export that out of that editing program, and then you have to transfer it back to your phone via email, text, airdrop, or whatever, and then you get to post to Instagram. And that's not impossible or difficult stuff, but it just takes time. And that's something to think about, that that's just a barrier to entry when you start going to a bigger camera. Now, something I just did this weekend, I discovered kind of a new way to do this with my, my camera. Some of the newer cameras have like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and you can transfer directly from the camera right to your phone, which is kind of cool for just your basic, you know, Instagram kind of posting. It, it kind of saved several steps for me and, and that is an option, but just wanted to make you aware of that. All right, let's move on to the next section. Okay, here's a quote for you all. The single most important component of a camera is the 12 inches behind it. You all might have heard the story of somebody asking, complimenting somebody on the cake that they made and saying, oh, what oven do you have? It's the same sort of thing when you're talking about photography, saying, oh, what camera you have actually isn't the real question. It's actually who is behind the camera. So that is something to keep in mind with all of these points that we're going to talk about. So the four tips that we are going to discuss for better photos is number one, finding good light. Number two, eliminating distractions. Number three, having a focal point. 
Number four, adding a human element, and then we're going to have a bonus tip in there. So the first one is finding good light, and Nick is going to tell us about this. Lighting is something that is super fascinating to me, so I'm, I'm trying to bring this down to a very like everyday sort of level. So I, I looked around with something that I just had nearby to kind of show you as an example, and I found this Texas orange. And I took three photos of it, same orange, same location, just different lighting. And I'm just curious, if you were to pick one photo to post on your Instagram, or wh which is your favorite? Number one, two, or three? Three. That's cool. Most of you actually heard say three. I like number two and three very well. I think they're both great photos, but I definitely don't like number one. And I just wanted to kind of explain the reason why maybe we like number two or three better and, and what changed about it. Um, here's a little chart. I don't know if it'll make sense or not, but photo number one was taken with the sun to my back. So the sun was behind me, then it's me, and the orange is right in front of me. That just kind of makes things look flat. There's no dimension. There's no depth. On almost every situation, I never take photos with the sun directly to my back. I can't hardly remember a situation where I felt like that made the photo better. I'm sure there are, because it's art and anything can look cool. But in general, that's a principle that I try to stick with. If the sun is directly to your back, it's generally going to look flat. So, just start moving away from that. The second picture was taken with the sun to the left. And this was actually a window, but... Sun equals your light source, whatever that is. Once you just put that to the left, you know, roughly 90 degrees, I mean, 45 degrees is fine too, just, just working your way around, now you start to see some dimension, like, oh, that's actually a round object. There's some fall off on the shadow to the right. It's brighter on the left, and it just starts looking more interesting. And this doesn't always work, but a lot of times I like shooting actually with the sun behind the subject that I'm, I'm shooting. So that would be me with the camera, then the subject, and then the sun, maybe not absolutely directly behind, but kind of, you know, back in that direction. That really also creates a lot of depth, dimension, and detail. And maybe one of the reasons you like that one is that it almost looks like a small globe, like you just see the sun, kind of the light, just like over the top, and I don't know, it's just kind of dramatic, and I like that, and I think that in general, that tends to look well in photography. So, biggest thing, avoid it with the sun to your back. Just say one thing. One thing on that last point, it's, it's sometimes tricky with light. If you're shooting with the sun sort of behind the object, you want to make sure that the sun is not directly in the lens of your camera because then you will get haze from that. So either blocking the sun with, with a tree or some other object but still having it behind your object will help to eliminate that haze that you would probably face otherwise. That's a great point. In some extreme situations, I'll even hold my camera with one hand, and I've sometimes put my other hand up here and kind of blocked the sun coming in it. Just experiment, and that kind of can work sometimes. So when and where can you go to find good light? A beautiful place to find good light is inside open windows or doors. The window doesn't have to be open, but like not covered with blinds. Um, try turning other lights off in general, unless you have... Well, in general, it's, it can look nice to turn the other lights off in the room. Um, for a photo like this, 
they're shooting top down and the, the light source, the window probably, is, is above in this case or in front of them. And that's something good to try inside or near windows or doors. If you have a greenhouse or a caterpillar tunnel of some kind, it's almost like a photography softbox when you walk in there. You feel it even without a camera. That can be a great place to take photos, um, especially more in the middle of the day when it gets tougher to take photos um, in other parts of the farm when the sun is just beating down from the top. Another option in the middle of the day is potentially find a little bit of shade. Um, Again, just the middle of the day, the lighting is not usually as great, and so finding some shade in the middle of the day can be helpful. If you're towards the morning or the evening, getting close to what they call golden hour, having the sunlight in, you know, out in the sun is, is usually a better thing. But in the middle of the day, shade can be helpful. And kind of touching on what I was just mentioning, when you're coming to like shoot wide-angle photos, like your whole farm or whatever, mornings and evenings are the time to do those sorts of things. That's when you're going to get really great light. So this one, the sun was just like barely going below the horizon. And this was a drone photo, but the same principle applies whether you're in the air or not. For example, this is a photo that I took of a farm in Colorado this summer, again from my drone, but it was later in the morning than I would have liked. I wish I could have taken this photo earlier. And not that it's a bad photo, but it just doesn't have that, that pop that some of the other ones have. It's just looking a little flatter. The only difference is I just took this photo two hours late or three hours late. It wasn't a bad camera. It wasn't a bad, it could have been a bad photographer, but it was mainly that it was a bad time of day. And this, again, it's not the same farm, but there's another example of a photo, you know, just kind of right as the sun was going down. You kind of get those glows that, especially if you have a tunnel, you get kind of glow coming through that as well. Just an example, wide farm photos, kind of where it's a landscape, really try to do that at the edges of the day, in my opinion. Okay, so tip number two is to eliminate distractions. Our ultimate goal is to make the subject look stunning and not let the background steal the show. So a tip for that is to look for clean backgrounds. It's easy to just snap a photo and not really pay attention to what's behind it, what is competing with that. So I have a photo here that is an example, and it's not a bad photo. I took this with our SLR camera, and it's not terrible, but if you look in the background, it's just a little more distracting than I would have liked. Your eye is not as drawn to the flowers, but you see kind of the, the, the light coming in from behind, and it's just a little distracting. So one way that you can avoid those distractions from the background, either you can look for another background, look around you. Is there another place close by that you could take that produce, those flowers to, that might have a cleaner backdrop, background, that's your, your photo, your subject is just going to pop from. Or another thing that you can do is to change the angle. And that's what I did in this situation. I took this photo. So both are good photos, but I feel like the second one is superior because you don't have the distraction of the background. And the second 
point here is kind of similar to the first, just making sure that nothing is competing with it and taking your eye away from what you want the person to notice. And think about it, where is your eye drawn first? And so here's another example. These are some veggies from our garden. So I went out there and picked them, and I wanted to get a picture of them. I took a bowl out there. I thought it was going to be so pretty. And I went out to the garden in the middle of the day, which, like Nick just talked about, isn't the best light. But I found a place in the shade under the tomato vines. And, you know, it's not bad. Like, the lighting isn't terrible. But if you look at it, it's green all around. That's competing with the green of my veggies, my cucumbers and my cabbage. And it's very distracting around the image, just all these little details. So what I did is I took that same bowl of vegetables inside and I set them on my countertop. Do you see the difference? Like now your eye is drawn to those veggies and it's so beautiful. So I took it into my kitchen and I took away the stuff that was directly behind the vegetables so that there wasn't anything competing. I still left some things in the corner because I wanted it to look like this is my kitchen, this is my living space. I didn't want it to be perfectly clean. Um, And I will have to say I did take this photo with my SLR, but even if I had taken it with my phone, the difference is dramatic. And so this is just an example. You can take the same subject, put it in a different place, and all of a sudden you have an image that really speaks to the beauty of your product. And in this case, this is the vegetables from my garden. The last two points is watch for bright spots or... Oh, that was the last one. Avoid harsh sunspots and watch for bright or clashing colors. You know, what if you're photographing flowers in this case, um, what colors do you have around? Do you have something that's competing with those flowers? Now, in this situation, I took this photo several years ago, and I feel like it's a sad reflection of these two points. You can look at the photo and think, oh, that's a nice photo, but the chair that it's on has kind of the similar colors to the flowers, so that's kind of competing with it. And then you have these bright spots in the background where the sun is shining really harshly. And it's not a bad photo, but it doesn't draw attention to the beautiful flowers as much as I was hoping for. So something, something to be aware of is that your eyes are drawn to light. So if you have a bright spot in the background of your photo, that is where your eyes are drawn first. And you want your eyes to be drawn first to the beautiful produce, the flowers, whatever it is that you're photographing. So the third point is have a focal point. Now, likely, depending upon where your photos are going, if they're going to social media, As you know, we're all bombarded with images and information, so we need to focus on stopping the scroll. What kind of images can we portray that are going to make somebody stop and say, oh, wow, look at that beautiful produce. Look at those kids in the garden. Wow, look at that. And so stopping the scroll is something that we need to think of in regards to photos. And something that um, will help that is if you have a focal point. What do you want people to notice first? So by eliminating distractions, which we talked about, and properly choosing your focus, 
you will have your focal point, the main part of the image that you want people to notice. And the last tip is to add a human element. And especially if you're sharing photos on social media, but I would argue really no matter where you're showing your photos, this is one of the most important parts. People connect with people, not things. So if somebody sees a photo of a beautiful bunch of carrots, but they also see a photo of a bunch of carrots that somebody's holding, you're gonna naturally be drawn to that photo that somebody is a part of, because we're drawn to people. We're not drawn to just, oh, that's pretty. Sometimes we are, depending upon our personalities. If we're more of a creative mind, we might be. But in general, people are connected. They want to connect with people and not just things. So even if the focus is on your product, like this is me in my kitchen holding the microgreens. I wanted the microgreens to be the focus of it, but having that human elements, even if you're just blurred in the background, even if you're just holding the product, even if it's just your feet in the photo, adds that connection, and people want that connection. So here's an example. We've, we've used these strawberry pictures quite, quite a bit. This is, we were very proud of our strawberry crop this year, and we enjoyed eating them from the garden, and we took lots of beautiful pictures of them. So this is two examples of the same bowl of strawberries. Now, the one on the left... I'm really bad with my rights and lefts. You know, it's a beautiful picture of strawberries, but the one on the right that has my feet in it, it might sound funny, like people are going to connect to your feet. Like, that sounds really weird. But because it has that human element, it's like, oh, there's somebody that's with those strawberries. Like, somebody grew these strawberries. Somebody picked these strawberries. And that's very important. Here's a few more other pictures from our garden, just to give you ideas of things that you can do. You know, you can hold the produce in front of you, down below you, whatever you do, just have that element of you are behind the produce, you're behind the pictures that you're showing. And a good example of that is from actually our Farmer's Friend Instagram account. I run, manage the social media for Farmer's Friend. And these are three of our top photos of the year on Instagram. And yes, it's our product, yes, it's our tunnels, but what made these photos stand out is the fact that there was that human element to them. And I have to mention, the people in the photos are also happy. They have smiles there. It just exudes that, like, oh, I want that too. So we kind of already said this, but you want people to connect to you. You want them to know where their food comes from, but more importantly, you want them to know you, the one who is growing it for them. And the bonus tip that I have is to be creative. And I, I was going to mention earlier, but the photos in here are either ones that we have taken or are from Instagram accounts of farms that we know personally um, through our work with Farmer's Friend and people who really represent their farms and what they do in a, in a really positive and beautiful way. And this one, you'll see multiple photos from them. They have a gorgeous account. And some of them are taken with their SLR, but 
some of them are taken with their phone too. There's so much that you can do with your phone. If you're just creative, if you think about some of these, these tips that we're sharing, you can make beautiful images with whatever you have. So, show the fun and the funny of farming. How many of you have grown a carrot that was all twisted up? Like, we all know about those things. There's so many weird things that happen on a farm that people don't even know about. They're used to going to the grocery store and picking up these perfectly uniform things, or they're expecting clean produce. I mean, like, there's all these things that people don't even know about. So show the things that are unique, the things that are like an everyday thing on the farm, but people aren't even familiar with. So whether this is on your website, showing some of those unique things, or whether it's on social media, show the fun and the funny of farming. Also, along the same lines, show the ugly and the beautiful. Like, we all know about those tomatoes. I mean, heirloom tomatoes, that's what it's all about, is all of those gnarly things. But people don't realize that. So, so don't feel like your images or your produce has to be perfect. Like, we're all, we're, none of us are perfect, and our produce isn't either. This is a fun thing that a lot of farms do, and that is to do a flat lay of your veggies every week. And this is especially applicable if you have a CSA or some sort of like subscription system. And it's a really easy way to showcase what you're offering that week in a fun way. You can just find a surface um, and I think it's important to use the same spot every time. That just gives some continuity to it. So these are four different farms that do this every week for their CSA. They just lay out their vegetables um, in a place. You choose a place that has a, has a suitable background and also has good light. And then you can just take a picture from above. So not only is this a way that you can showcase your produce your product to the people. It also is a really easy way to keep records of what you are growing. Like if you're not really good at like writing down things, you can have a little folder on your phone that has a picture from every week that has what you um, put in your CSA box, which is kind of a representation of what you had that, that year, that season. If you want to know, oh, when did my tomatoes come in? Or like little things like that. I found that it's easy to um, be able to go back if you have photos of things. So that is one thing that you can do just to add some creativity and beauty to your farm. And then perspective. Like how many times do we see the inside of vegetables? But they're so pretty. Like have you grown a watermelon radish? Or uh, Alibaba... Um, watermelon that's orange inside like all of these things cut it open you you often have a knife with you for harvesting you know cut it open and share the beauty of what you see inside it's just another angle another perspective of what you do here's another example garlic isn't that so pretty they just cut it in half and it's a it's a, a side that you never see but yet it's so pretty and, and unique and artistic this farm, Edible Uprising, they often will use their photos to announce something. So this is restock. They restock something on their online website. Like, that's an easy, easy thing to do. Just take it out to the garden, um, write it on a little something, and take a picture of it. Like, there's so many things that are quite easy, as long as you just think about it um, and think, oh, we could let people know through this avenue. And it brings in the farm beauty, and it also is just creative and fun. Okay, back to Nick. All right, a little bit on editing here. Editing is a whole world that you can really get into and spend a lot of time doing, but it's not something that has to be a barrier for being able to have good photos. 
So just on a very basic level, I wanted to recommend a few apps to you that you can get. These are apps from the app, the Apple App Store, and I think most of them are on the um, Google Play Store as well. But here are some um, that could be helpful that um, I know of photographers who primarily use iPhones for their account, use these photos, and I think the results turn out really good. So this, one's, this is one called Light Leap. There's another one called After Light. Um, Lightroom can get a little bit more advanced, and, uh, but can, that's probably the one I use, but I use that desktop app too, so I'm more familiar with it. If you want to add words to your photos, then Word Swag can be a great one. And if you know anything about app stores, you know that these are not the only apps out there that do this kind of thing. But these are some good options that I have gotten personal recommendations from. Um, they're either free or a small payment of some kind. But again, don't be afraid to pay a dollar a month or two dollars a month or something and try out some of these apps and see if you like them because they really can make a difference. They're full of all sorts of filters and features and editing things that can, can really kind of make your photos pop. If you want to do some editing on the desktop, on, on, your, on your laptop, on, on your computer, um, a couple apps that I would recommend. First would be Adobe Lightroom. That one is a subscription-based, but it's relatively economical compared to many of their other pieces of software. It's like $10 a month or something. You can just try it and see if you like it. Luminar 4, they go a different route. That app is more like $70, $80, but it's a one-time payment. That's a great app as well has some powerful filters and features, and Affinity Photo is, again, a one-time payment sort of app, which I prefer. I hate subscriptions, but that's the way Adobe goes. So those are some apps that I can recommend for the computer and for the phones that can um, definitely worth trying out and seeing how they work for you. In terms of some editing tips, the apps really can do a lot now with just kind of that automatic, like, fix this photo with the little magic wand icon or the auto button or something. But I just want to walk you through some of the decisions that I make and the, and the order in which I go through those decisions when I'm looking at editing a photo. And I would almost say that this is the same order that I go through when I edit video as well, because editing uh, color grading video is just like moving pictures. So it, it, in a lot of ways, it's the same. So first, I'm looking to correct or fix things. Does it need to be brighter or darker? I'm looking for exposure first. I'll fix that. Is the white balance off? I'll fix that next. A lot of times the cameras are good enough to do those things pretty well, so you don't need to do that to every photo. Then enhance. I look for color. Could it use a little bit more saturation? And when you have an app that has kind of a slider you can go up and down, I just kind of just like play around with it. Go up, down. Do I like that? Now I go down a little bit. Just kind of just, just experiment. Go with your gut. Like, oh, I like that. You're probably going to find that however you edited a photo today, a year from now, you're going to look back on that like, oh, that was, that was too much color. Or that was too little color. That was too dark. That's just, that's, that, that's how it is for me. That'll probably be how it is for you. You can adjust highlights and shadows. I usually like to turn highlights down to be able to bring some of the sky exposure back, bring some of the shadows up to bring some of the details from inside you know, a, 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 the door of the barn or even just the shadowy parts of the underside of a piece of cabbage or a head of cabbage. Contrast and clarity, those are the things I go to next. And then the last kind of major step is stylizing, maybe applying a filter, maybe not even at full power, maybe you know, adjust it down so it's not at 100% um, you know, strength. 
uh, filters slash presets. And I'll mention something on that. If you're going to use some filters and presets, you might consider finding the one, ideally probably the one, but the couple that are your favorite and stick to those. Because if you do, when people look at your feed, your account, the photos will have more continuity. If you always do, you know, half strength of this certain filter that you like. Just a tip. And sun flares. Some of the apps can do that. Yes, maybe it's not 100% authentic, but if you don't have as much sun in there as you'd like, you can fix it. So let's edit this photo. So here's a photo that was taken. Again, it's the famous strawberries from the Connect Garden, but it's a little dark, and you'll just have to go with me on this one because the projector is not not the best place to edit your photos. Don't edit your photos on a projector, please. So it looks a little dark, so I'm going to go through my steps. I think it needs to be brighter, and the way you gauge that is, you know, you don't want things being blown out, so we don't want things to be overexposed. You want to see the detail in most, if not all, of the photo. So we had room to, to go up and not lose detail, so we made it brighter. I think the white balance is off, so I'm going to adjust that a little bit warmer. That's looking better to me, and I, I might go back and tweak this along the way. Let's try some of the enhancements. So let's, I'm going to boost up the contrast, vibrance, and clarity. And now we're to that. That was a nice change. That's starting to look more appetizing, like I would actually like to eat those strawberries. But I'm not picky about strawberries. Let, uh, next, let's try that sun flare. So there's an app that you can use. Maybe some of the other apps that I mentioned even have this built in. Add a little bit of a sun flare to that top right. You don't see the sun, but it just kind of adds that warm glow that maybe was really there and the camera just didn't pick it up. And that's kind of how I would leave that photo. I think that that's kind of a good place. So we edited the exposure, the white balance. We kind of increased the color, the contrast, and then added a sun flare if it works and it's nice. All right, so that's Nick's quick editing tips. So everything that we've talked about today will help you to take better photos no matter where they go. But for most farms or businesses, I see two main avenues that your photos go. Either they're going to go to your website. Now, you might have like a blog on your website or maybe your farm does a newsletter. But they'll likely either go to your website or they'll go to a sharing platform like a social media. So there is so much that could be said about social media. Like, it could be a complete talk on its own. But, and it's, yeah, it's huge, and I'm only going to just briefly, briefly touch on it. So let's jump in. Social media is also a complicated subject. Like, there's varying thoughts and opinions. Um if it's even a place that we should have our lives. So, but if you handle it with care on a personal level, I believe um, that it can be a powerful tool for your business. But I just have to say the caveat, like social media can be a trap. It can be, you can get into the comparison game. You can get into just wasting your time sucking that life out of you. So I'm today just talking about it on a purely business, using this as a tool for your farm, which it can be very powerful. So the first thing that 
I see as a purpose for social media is to build community and to get to know your customers better. Secondly, it can allow you to be a part of a greater community. If you're a farmer, you can get to know other farmers in your area. Facebook has amazing groups for farmers that you can help each other answer questions, go back and forth. So you can build community for your local CSA members or your customers, but you can also be a part of that greater community on a whole. And lastly, it can help you promote and sell your farm products. But this one you have to handle with care. And I put that as last because you don't want it to be just a way to promote yourself because people aren't going to be drawn to that if you're just promoting everything that you're doing. So Instagram and Facebook are the main social platforms that I would encourage any business to use. And it makes it easier because they can be linked together. So you can do posting on Instagram that also links to Facebook. And so you can, it's almost like managing one social media. There are nuances and variances that, you know, if you get more into it, you want to be careful with. But for the most part, you can treat them as a similar thing. Share what you do on Instagram, on Facebook. You can do it automatically. If you share on Instagram, there's a little toggle button that you can connect your Facebook to. You can just use that and it will go directly to Facebook. So that makes it handy. So just to kind of know where we're dealing, what we're dealing with here, how many of you all have social media for your business? Okay, so we have, we have a few here. So I would encourage, if you were wanting to have your business on social media, Instagram is a great way to get started. It's very easy, it's intuitive, and one of the things that I like about Instagram is it's, you don't have all of the, the ads and the shares as much that you'd get on Facebook. It's a little bit more just focused on photos and the things that you're offering. Now that's not to say it doesn't have ads, but it's just a, it's different than Facebook, and Personally, I like using it better. So we're just going to very, very quickly touch on five tips for using Instagram. So no matter what social platform, no matter really how you're marketing your product, the number one thing to do is to define your ideal clients. So say you're a vegetable farmer and you, go to, you have a CSA and you go to farmer's markets. So think about who buys your produce, who has a subscription to your CSA. And you want to you wanna think about what is that ideal client? What is, who, if I think about all my customers, who is it that I feel like is the most ideal, that sounds kind of funny to say, but like ideal client. And then you think about that person when you are posting, when you're sharing stuff. So let's just say for sake of illustration, that it is a female between the age of 25 and 45. And there's all kinds of analytics. And once you get going with a business of Facebook or Instagram, you can actually see who the people are that are following you. And you can see the age, you can see the gender, um, and that can help you to know, okay, who am I actually talking to? So let's just say that it's a female. And so think about her when you're posting. Like, what are her pain points? What are the things that you could help her with your farm? So likely, if she's buying your produce, or if you want her to buy your produce, she's probably into health. So 
You could share a post about the nutritional benefits of Swiss chard or five reasons why you should add arugula to your salads. Like, think about that person and post something that they're going to really resonate with. Like, oh, yes, I want to learn how to, to cook my Swiss chard better. Or like, oh, yes, I need to know the nutritional benefits of this. So let's also say that she's into cooking. If this is a CSA customer of yours, she probably is. So you could share a recipe that was like a photo of the produce from your farm and a recipe using that produce. And another thing that we could probably safely say with this age group is she's probably really busy. Like maybe she has kids, maybe she's working full time, but she's probably really busy. So also talking about um, like really quick things, a really quick way to cook your greens. Like that's going to catch somebody's attention and be like, oh, I resonate with that. I need a, I have all these greens, but I don't know what to do with them. I need a quick way. Or a green smoothie to start your day right. It only takes two minutes and uses all your kale and your spinach. Like those are things that people, like that's a pain point. Like I'm in the CSA, but I have all this kale. Like I don't know what to do with and I don't have time to cook it. Well, here's a smoothie recipe. It only takes two minutes. That's something that they could connect with. So targeting, it's finding your ideal client and speaking to that person is very important no matter where you're sharing your photos, your information, and that's gonna help you connect to that person. Second is follow your customers. And this is just something that goes in, in life in general. Like, take an interest in people, whether this is through, on social media or just meeting them at farmer's market. But take an interest in them. If you're on social media as a business, commenting on their posts with their kids or, like, their dog. Like, taking an interest. This will build so much brand loyalty to you. And the people will feel like honored, like, wow, my farmer actually cares about my life. And so not to mention the other opportunities that might come from that in the future for, like, witnessing and building a friendship. So if you're going to use social media, think about that. Like, think about these are real people. These are people that you're investing in. And you never know where those relationships are going to go. Third is to use hashtags. Now, if you're not familiar with Instagram and how Instagram works, hashtags are, some, are a system that Instagram has put into place to categorize your, fo your photos. It kind of like makes almost like these virtual folders. So if you were to search, um, well, I'll tell you the hashtags that I use and search a lot are farmer's friend, quick cut greens harvester, Quick Cut Greens Harvester, that's a whole photo, a whole like fo folder of photos of people either using the Quick Cut Greens Harvester or something to do with that. So it's a way to categorize the photos and you can connect to people. So the thing that's really important to do when you're using hashtags is to find hashtags that your ideal clients are using and that are local to you. Because this is going to get people seeing your stuff that are actually your ideal client. You know, your ideal client, if you live in Tennessee, your ideal client is probably not going to be in Texas because you're selling locally. So you need to tap into that local market. So research and find out ha what hashtags other people in your area are using. You can do this by looking at their posts and seeing if they have hashtags down at the bottom. Like, what are other people doing? So here's just some examples of something. These are not 
legitimate and I'm sure they're out there but these are not ones that I'm like suggesting that you use they're just ones that I made up for our our area that might give you an idea of something that you could be looking for in your area vegans of Nashville okay you're probably looking for vegan people to eat your stuff I mean not necessarily but that could be a community that you could tap into shop Nashville farmers market like that's local to a farmers market CSA of Middle Tennessee like those are things that you could be connecting with people healthy moms of Columbia like you're probably you're probably gonna have a lot of moms you know think about that like what are some groups that moms are in what are some hashtags that they're using um, so that's just you could go on and on about this one but those are just a couple simple tips to think about with hashtags another thing is to tag people so if you're at a farmer's market, tag the location of the farmer's market so people might see, oh, they're at that farmer's market. And tag the, the farmer's market itself. Often if you're going to a farmer's market, they have a manager who likely runs a social media and will take pictures at the market. Take a picture of yourself setting up your stand and tag your farmer's market. And not only will people see, oh, they're at that farmer's market and connects you to a place, but that also builds loyalty between you and your market manager. And your market manager might, might share your post and say, hey, these people are really excited. They're setting up at my farmer's market. Kind of shows what's going on at their market. And now more people are seeing that post that are your ideal client. Like local people are seeing, oh, this farm is setting up. I should go and see that. So that is just something to, to keep in mind. And all of these things, they're, they're features and they're things that you can do. But sometimes we don't like take the time to or like um, if you don't know about tagging somebody or using hashtags, you're missing out on an opportunity, a tool that you, can't, you could connect with more people. Can I just add something real quick? Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, and if you, if you take note of some of the tips that we've talked about and taking better photos, and let's just say you go to that farmer's market and you're taking the best photos of any of the vendors there, that farmer's market manager is probably going to want to share your photo maybe more than somebody else's. And that's not saying it in a bad way, but I know with Farmer's Friend, the account that she manages, there are a few accounts that we have to really restrain ourselves from posting all the time because their photos are so good. Like, you want to be that account that your market manager is like, man, I want to post their photo again, but I did it last week. I probably shouldn't. Like, you want to be that account. And you could get to that direction by upping your photo quality and, and, and that can really that's one way that it can kind of pro- propel you along that that's great thanks for mentioning that another thing with tagging um, tag your customers so say you're putting together a CSA box that week and it's for Mary and you could post a picture and tag Mary and say I'm so excited we're putting together your your veggie box this week look what's coming to your house later today or like build that excitement and it's like wow I'm a part of this community and it can make people feel very valued and very seen. So along the same lines, encourage your customers to tag you in their photos. So likely they're gonna take their veggies home, take their flowers home, whatever it is, and enjoy them. So take a picture, you know, encourage your customers to take a picture of your flowers on your dinner table. I would love to see it. And then you could share that post. And you could just build this community. People love to be noticed. They love to be seen. And it's just taking an interest in people's life and, and sharing 
pictures from your customers is going to build the brand loyalty and also get other customers excited and be like, hey, I should post a picture and tag them because maybe they'll share mine too. That is something that I do a lot with Farmer's Friend and it's been very successful with building a vibrant community of our customers. And finally, the last point is share behind the scenes through Instagram stories and reels. Now, if you're not familiar with Instagram, this is definitely taking it to the next level. But you're wanting people to connect to you on a day-to-day basis and not just like, oh, their lives are perfect, their pictures are perfect in their feed. You want people to connect to you. You're real-life people. You get dirty. You have things that go wrong on the farm. And the more vulnerable you are with those things, the more people are going to connect to you because we all have problems. And if you share about a problem that you have or a trial that you faced, likely somebody else has faced the same thing, and they're going to connect to you in a much deeper way. And they might reach out to you or vice versa. You can reach out to somebody else when, when you see that, that they're, they have this trial or struggling in something. So just build that community. Share. Be vulnerable yourself as much as, you know, that kind of sounds cliche. There's a lot of people who talk about being vulnerable. Like, you have to decide what that level is for yourself. And it's different for every people. But the more that you share, the more that people are going to connect to you. And hopefully, um, with the tips that we have shared about taking better photos and then if you want to up the game with your social media you will this will put you in the trajectory of building a really strong brand for your farm and also a community because it goes much farther beyond just the products but it's all about community it's about relationships and it's about getting to know people and we want to leverage everything that we do our influence and everything for witnessing and for God's glory so we have just a few minutes left for questions. Any questions? Yes. Okay. How have you guys found best to use seasonal changes such as frost, fall colors, um, different lighting in the winter than there's the summer? How have you guys found seasonal changes to be beneficial in photos? So the question is, mm-hmm. how have we found seasonal changes to be beneficial to our photos? Do you have anything you want to mention about that? I think all seasons are beautiful. And there's something that we all experience. And so I think sharing all the seasons is wonderful. Does that answer your question? I think I everybody know. relates to the joy of the new season mm-hmm. coming on, Change. maybe with the exception of winter. But, you know, highlight the new flowers budding out. Absolutely take advantage of it. People are loving that on their properties as well. Um, do the same thing, you know, when you do get a snow in the winter. Definitely, like, yeah, get out there with your camera. So use it to your advantage, and you definitely can. Any other, another question? Um, back there, yellow shirt. So the question is, is there any um, concerns or things to think about from a legal standpoint in uh, sharing locations from your photos or taking photos of like things that, like at farmer's market kind of thing or whatever? Do you have anything to say? I could say something as well. Oh, you go first. Um, I don't know if this exactly answers your question, but I was out shooting on the streets of Atlanta with a lawyer one time, and I kind of ran into some of the, I asked him some of those legal questions, and according to him, this is not official legal advice, but this is what he told me, and I I went with it, is that people in public, um, you can not only, uh, you're legally allowed to take people's photos when they're out in public, you can even legally, I believe, sell their photos when they're out in public. So if they're in a public place, and this is just answering the people part of it, if they're in a public place, they're fair game to be photographed. Now, they can still ask you not to, and that's up to you whether you want to oblige that. But from a 
strictly legal standpoint, if they're in their private property, you can't photograph them. But if they're in public, you can. Does that kind of answer your question? Okay. Um, did just, you want to say something? Yeah, just quick on that. So I, I try to get people's permission as far as like sharing things as something that somebody else posts, especially if it has kids involved, but just across the board, it's kind to just say, hey, I really liked what you posted. Do you mind if I share that? Now, if they've tagged you in it, likely they're not going to mind, um, but that's just something that I do. And also sharing locations. You know, you may not want to share your location of your farm, but sharing the location of your farmer's market, you know, that's going to help people to know where you are and where to find your stuff. Maybe tag your town or your city instead of your actual, phys you know, specific location. Um, let me come over here. Yes. Yeah, that's a big topic that we could spend a lot of time about for sure. Um, the biggest thing with drone, I drones um, really are advantaged when you take the photos or videos in those morning or evening hours. Like, I feel like even more so taking photos and videos in the, the middle of the day um, just look really bad on the drone for the most part. So I more or less, uh, whenever, when I, we do a lot of filming on farms, and I always save the drone and my battery for that last half an hour of sunlight or that first half an hour of sunlight. That's one tip. And just smooth, smooth out your, 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 your motion with video as much as possible just to kind of make it a little more cinematic, not jerky, not... Just do a bunch of stuff so you have options when you go to edit. And one thing on video, video is a whole other topic in and of itself, but a lot of the same principles that we've talked about today apply to video, including the equipment, which is really amazing. So all of the things that we've talked about, whether you're looking to increase your farm exposure through photos or videos, can apply. And I think, unfortunately, that's all the time we've got for today. Thank you so much. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.